stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick. And this week, I'm joined by Zach's chief equity strategist, John Blank, who's also, you may not know this, a PhD economist. And he's on the show for our now annual end of the year discussion about the economy, whether or not there's going to be a recession in 2020. We've discussed this every year since 2016 now. And um, we're going to talk about like what stocks are looking interesting to us. I run to... Uh, newsletters here at Zach's, The Value Investor and The Insider Trader, and John runs The Large Cap Trader. So we've both been spending a lot of time looking at our portfolios and stocks going into 2020 here. So we'll be sharing some of that with all of you. But first, I have some housekeeping notes to do. So it's come to my attention that some of you who listen here every week on The Market Edge do not know that I run a second podcast called The Value Investor Podcast. So if you aren't getting both shows, you can subscribe to The Value Investor Podcast as well. Both shows are weekly, and I just recorded the 170th episode of The Value Investor. So if you haven't been listening into that, um, you can go find it now. You can get us on Spotify under Value Investor and on Apple Podcasts. Get get us on one of those platforms and subscribe there. I do give out uh, stock tips every week, and it's usually just me droning on on that show. But if you are interested in value stocks or you know what Warren Buffett is doing and um, finding deals and hidden gems and all that, go subscribe to the Value Investor Podcast as well. And um, also, like I said, John does run run the Large Cap Trader, and I run these other newsletters here at Zach's as well. And we're still running our podcast promo. So you can go check out all of the newsletters here at Zach's on an ultimate trial. You can do it for 30 days for just a dollar. You can get it at zacks.com slash promo. That's Zach's, Z-A-C-K-S dot com slash promo. And you can check out what's in all of our portfolios heading into the new year. And um, there's quite a few portfolios. There's also the Marijuana Innovators over there. And we have some healthcare and uh, some more like active trading portfolios, if that's what is interesting to you. But go check them out at zax.com slash promo. And I also do encourage everyone just to go to zax.com and look at what we offer there. The Zax Rank is an interesting screening tool. So you might want to go there, check it all out, because I know uh, many of you are joining us and you may not have bothered to go to our website and just kind of to see what the Zax Rank is all about, because it does drive what we do here at Zaxx. Okay, so all of the housekeeping is now done, and I have John here, and John... This is an interesting year. We were kind of talking about this um, off the podcast earlier about what the economy is looking like this year. Now, just to recap, the last couple of years, it was pretty much a no-brainer. It felt like to me that we were not going to have a recession. And I want you to explain what your theory is or what you look at to kind of determine what could be flashing recessionary because we do have a lot of you or, or listeners who are listening for the first time and they might not be familiar with um, what it is you look at. But 
I will give out a little clue to everybody that one of the components is employment, right? Yeah. So the basic idea you want to have in your mind is a summary statistic. And that's a statistical idea. Now, so the language is summary statistics, summarizing. Okay. The basic problem with these recession calls um, is people hear stories. Like you're hearing right now the tariff story and the manufacturing story that's turning down. Or you're hearing the global growth recession story that's turning down. And you're thinking, oh, it's going to get to a recession in the United States. So it's this pluses and minus factoring of what emphasis and timing and amount of importance one should place in all the stories one hears. So you can get focused on one story and overemphasize it and get it wrong. Okay. This is what happens. You don't have the ability to weight the pluses and minuses. A summary statistic does the pluses and minuses netting for you. Okay. That's the way to think about it. So headwinds and tailwinds always be out there. Summary statistics summarizes the situation. So the non-farm payroll from the federal government, which is, by the way, a national security embargoed number. That's how important it is. The president gets it beforehand as a national security imperative. That's okay. why this matters. It's at that level. First Friday of the month, it is a preliminary another because it's a little quick because they want to get it out there. Yeah. Second thing, right? You prefer to pay attention to the revised numbers at the bottom of the chart that are hard and factored in and not be, you know, CNBC exclusive with a panel of four talking about a preliminary number and then making a trade. Right. I mean, just be late to the game. It's what's called a contemporaneous indicator, which means it's not forward-looking. It's not backward-looking. It's looking. It's just seeing. Okay. It's looking out the window and seeing now. Not yesterday, like the household unemployment rate, which is lagging. And not forward like a PM purchase manager, which is giving you some insight into the future. It's all you want to do is see things as they are. Okay. That's it. Because most people are delusional. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, most people include you yes, and me. Exactly. Right? That's yeah. the other point is you are Tracy Reinick, guys, is delusional. Right? <laughs> yeah. Right? For sure. Right, John Blank? Let's say it is delusional. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so does that also include the weekly jobless claims then too? That's a that's a look at right. just so that we, one week too. Well now we we don't have to wait a month, as you're pointing out, to get a, a feel for where the number's going next month. Okay. We can look at the weekly unemployment claim data. Okay. And so four weeks of weekly unemployment claim, which comes out on Thursday every week. And you can get that number. And again, you're looking for the rolling average of the last four months to see if it's moving up or down. Right now, Tracy, what is it doing? It's moving up. It's moving slightly. up slightly on a one-week pop. Right. But I saw the four-week was at like 225, which is a little bit hotter than it's been. But only because we had that one huge pop and then it's come back down again. Right. So your call for next month on the nine-farm payroll, up or down from last month? Um, it's probably going to be similar. Yeah. Yeah. So the answer is right. Tracy's correct, yeah. which is even factoring the one-week pop, looking at a four-week average, the next non-farm payroll is basically the same. There's almost no chance there's a recession, and there's no chance the number that comes out that she doesn't know about matters. Yeah. So she doesn't need to be on CNBC to see the number at all. 
Because she already knows right. it's going to be plus or minus 80, by the way. That's the standard error of the payroll, which yeah. means plus or minus 80 of whatever they say is fine. Yeah. Now, let's get to where she should get concerned. Okay, right? yeah. The number is, what should I be concerned about? Well, let's do the math. There's, let's keep it simple, 300 million people in the United States. And I don't, don't call me and say there's 320. Just, just keep it simple. 300 million, <laughs> half of those people work. Some of them retired, kids, whatever. 150 million civilian labor force in the United States. So it grows 1% a year, which is 1.5 million. So take you have to have enough job additions every month to cover your employment, your population growth that is civilian labor force related, meaning people flowing in right. to the actual labor force. So that is 1.5 million divided by 12, Tracy, is... Um, I don't know. That's too big for me. It's a little over. Oh, okay. Thank Because if you do it 10 months, <laughs> 10 months times 125 is 1.25 million. And then yes. the extra two months is 250,000, 1.5 million. Okay. So if... That seems doable. It's doable. Yeah. So your baseline area to even begin to worry on a revised basis on the monthly number is 125. Okay. So to be really safe... You want the rolling three-month average to fall below 50 or zero for saying, oh, something is happening. And by the way, three months is better than one month because we want what you're worried about is some rolling effect cascading across the economy over multi-months. Yeah. And it's showing up in the manner that people are firing people. Right. So it's getting so serious, they're firing people. And that number is, is then Starting the cycle, a cycle of lowering spending, raising uncertainty, stalling investment, and and creating costs for the government, driving up their deficits in you know, unemployment benefits, lower taxes on sales, and all these other things. So that's the cycle you're looking for. And the answer right now, which Tracy already pointed out, is neither hot nor cold. Okay. And we've been neither hot nor cold from basically, I mean, again, don't. Get precise with me, but probably July of 2018. Yeah. So we are at least a year and a half into a flat, fully employed economy as it is stands today. Okay. And typically, typically is not very typical because things change in the structure of the labor force and things change when the way people are employed. But typically, you can just stagger around for a while and just do nothing like we're doing. Okay. Now, we had the largest corporate tax cuts in U.S. history. That has happened. And now we have, hopefully, very soon, USMCA that's going into effect. And maybe as soon as January 2020, the phase one agreement on um, the trade issues. And so it will any of that, any of these things that have now kind of completed be able to boost the economy into out of this kind of just flatness and into more of a hotter economy. Yeah. Okay. So go to trade.gov, Tracy, and ask yourself again. Let's see if Tracy gets it right, guys. Let's, let's put her on the spot here. Uh oh. Percentage of the U.S. economy in services versus um, goods. What is it now? It's isn't it like eighty to eighty-five? All right. So she passed. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that it's eighty percent. Okay. 
So the, the point of the matter is, no matter what you want, again, this gets back to netting and summary so statistics. So the, tr- the trade, like USMCA, I saw the Treasury Secretary, he said that's going to add 50 basis points to GDP. Yeah, over 10 wrong. years, too. Yeah. It's okay. even less than that. It's 0.05 okay. on a GDP And that's basis. because the manufacturing is just too small. It's too small, and Mexico doesn't play too much of a role. I mean, again, okay. you're, you're talking about 20% of every good management, yeah. whether it's traded or not. And then Mexico is a very small fraction of that. So it's, again, a lot of news flow. It zips out, zeroes out at at a macroeconomic level. Okay. So where do we find a boost to get it hot enough where it could, you know, overheat or speculation could be booming or is speculation just going to boom when Here's the problem. Today, Tracy, as you know, for two months, Fed bond buying uh, has been happening again. Yes. And- you know that whether the president made a call to the Fed chairman or not is irrelevant. The pressure of that call or the call itself is enough to have created a political bias to keep the bond flowing. Okay. And the reason is because you flood the market with money and money will go somewhere into something. Right. And well, eventually it goes into stocks. So okay. here's the thing that all I want to tell you guys all about. This is called populism. Because populism is, is short for being popular, right? Right. So populism is, if you ask Tracy and I, who are equity strategists X, whether we dislike stocks going up every day, the answer is... No. No. Of course, we love it. <laughs> <laughs> who wouldn't? That's it. Right. Who right. wouldn't? And that's, yeah. lo- that's, that's populism. Who yeah. wouldn't love their stocks going up every day? Right. Populism. Who, who out there is hearing this and going, I hate the fact that my stocks are going up every day? <laughs> No one. No one. No <laughs> one is, people. No one. Right? Yeah, darn. I wish my stocks yeah, would go oh, down. Yeah, oh, they're going to go down. So <laughs> so here's the thing. Getting back to a recession call. Yeah. So we're at an 18 PE, forward PE, on next year. And by the way, we were at a 16 last year. And before that, we were at a 15. Then we are at a 14. And as we came through this cycle, we just kept rising on valuations. So is 18 too high? It is high. Historically, it's about 14.5 on a 10-year PE. So we're about 25% overvalued on that basis. But here's the problem. 19 PEs come after 18 PEs on the chart. And after 19 PEs a year from now, there are 20 PEs come on the chart. Yeah. And who's to say Tracy has some massive event that stops that from rolling over? So this is what happens excesses are being built into the stock market and then real estate market and out in the loan market and in the high yield bond space, C-rated bond markets, the leverage loans. Because everybody says, sure, I don't see the problem, right? Right. And so this is what happens. There is no problem as long as this thing moves on. But when it doesn't, things that were, quote, no problem become a problem. Yeah. Is this he, like a musical chair? Right, it's a musical chair thing. thing. Yeah. So then I bought Lamb Research at 285 and it goes to 200. About my way, a year ago, you could have bought it at 120, right? Right. So you say, well, hold it. If I bought it at 285, I lost 85 bucks. So then what do you do? You panic and sell it, you wait for it to bounce. And so then it's like, hold it. Then you take a loss. Right. And then you're bummed. 
Yes, for sure. And then you cancel your <laughs> subscription service with Zach's because Tracy got the call wrong on, on Lamb. So Tracy's bummed. Right. And then Tracy doesn't go shopping. And the thing rolls over. So it just all goes. So right I now see. is when all these purchases are being made at exorbitant prices and we're setting ourselves up for disappointment. And okay. these are the excesses. These are the periods of excesses one needs to have. And the depth of the duration of a recession is the amount of time we stay in excesses, reversed. Okay. Right? Yeah. So when Tracy gets suffering and she blows the lamb call, it's how long, how much, and how far she needs to correct it, how many days of money she needs to get from Zach's, how many things she has to sell to cover her losses so she's not so bummed. And if she made a huge bunch of trades and did it at 300, 350, 400, she's even going to be more bummed. So you can see what's going to happen. The more Tracy stays with this trade and doesn't get out of it, the more she's going to be bummed and the longer the recession is going to be. So this is the problem with it. The more populism, the more you're going to feel good, Yeah. the more the downturn is going to be hurting. Okay, but we have no way of really telling when that will come. There is no way. Yeah. And the only well, there is a way. Well, we there talked is. About it. Yes, the we way just is talked, we talked but about. But the financial right now, markets, it's, it's not on the horizon. Right. Yet. And, and, yeah, and I think Josh Brown of CNBC made a really good analogy when I heard him once, which is the stock market's a dog, and a person who's on a leash to the dog is the economy. So the dog will end up where the person is walking, okay. but the dog can go right and left on the leash quite dramatically during this whole time. So the problem with saying the stock market matters is it matters that your dog's over the sniffing on leaves to your end point. And your, your dog can stop you and head in the wrong direction for a good length piece of time regardless of how you're moving. Okay. And this is what happens. The dog and you will reach the same place, but the dog on a long leash will flop around. So right now we're having this incredibly bullish, every day up, yeah. Fed liquidity-driven market point, of course, is that the president's being impeached and he wants you to say, hey, the economy is awesome. The stock market's going up. What don't you like about my leadership? Right. And the answer is, I don't know. I mean, if it's a transactional situation, all of my transactions are looking great. And yeah. that's what's supposed to happen right now. And that's what you're supposed to feel and think. And here's the problem. All those trades, if you're in, you know, are in the wrong direction. So example, our meeting director came up and said, I have a 21-year-old daughter. Okay. So 401k. She's just starting it. Okay. What, what should she, she do? Okay. 100% equity Yeah. or <laughs> 50 equity, 50 bonds oh. right now for the next two years. So Tracy, Why is it answer? only two years? I don't know. Just, oh. <laughs> so what should, what, should, what should the answer be to someone who is got a She's 21, 100% equity. Right now. Yeah. So Even with the at market highs. Say what I think that's that's the wrong answer, and I think the better answer is 50-50 now. Okay, so but fifty percent is not buying these highs. But she's buying every month, presumably, right? Right, she's buying every month, right. so she's she's playing on with half of it. The other half she's in bonds, and I told him, look, just keep it in bonds until the non-farm payroll on a three-month rolling basis goes negative. Okay. Because then you know by that time, the stock markets will have crashed. Okay, but right. So whenever only... that happens, is whenever it happens, and you don't care. You only care to keep your hands tied to that number. In three months of negative payrolls, and I'm taking the fifty percent in bonds and going hundred percent. 
Because whether well, she wants to or not, she can buy a house at that time. Will be, prices will collapse with that bond thing. She could put it into stocks. She's got some options for when th- cash and is going to be king. Right. And she's got a little space. So right. if you're getting in now, you want to be cautious buyer. And if you're getting out now, you want to be selling stocks. What about all the people who got out in the third quarter of 2019? Apparently, it was the largest sell-off in equity ETFs and mutual funds since 2009. Good, good for billions them. Billions of dollars moved out. So now they're on the sidelines. What should they be doing with the scenario you're kind of laying out here? Just well, stay again, in cash? Again, I mean, or? you should always be dollar averaging on the 401ks no matter what and well, not trying to figure this out. Yeah, but, this wasn't necessarily 401k money. It's just pulling yeah, and it out. If you have more cash, I've done this all year myself. I have a lot more cash than I've ever had for many years. And I'm sure I'm wrong and the market's rolled up 5, 10, 15, 20% more. But I'm sure that I have the cash too. Okay. <laughs> Well, cash is always king. Yeah, you always have Can't the cash. The point is, you you might get fired in a downturn. That's true. Yeah, you might find bargains for houses or other assets yeah. that you might like to put cash to work on. So you're not going to get the top right, and you're you know from a historical charts that three and a half percent employment after a year and a half is really a long way in a cycle. Right. And you say, hey, you know what? Start building some cash. It's okay. I'm not telling people to get out of equities on either side of this thing, but start to build positions that you're going to be more secure in and learn to take profits in this late in the cycle. That doesn't okay. mean I call on recession at, your, at all. Right, right. And I'm just saying, look, just because it, it might be three to five years, but I put that cash back to work. Okay. But you got to remember when I do. Right. You're in the driver's seat. I'm in the driver's seat. And that's the Buffett play. Remember what Warren Buffett's doing now? Tracy is building, he is building. He's a massive cash position. Massive cash Mm -hmm. position. So he's not, he's just saying, look, I know where we are in the cycle. Right. And I know it'll run for a while. By the way, Buffett buys stocks now, like I'm talking about. He has a portfolio, right? He's just sitting in a lot of cash. And that's what he waits for you. Right. He waits for you. And he waits for the economy and everything else to turn over, and he doesn't care. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now, you run the large cap trader, as I mentioned earlier, and the large caps have had tremendous run over the last two years. I took a look at some of the number one... Um, number one ranks large caps that I just kind of glanced at our list. There's like 229 stocks on the Zach's number one rank list. And I'm wondering what you feel now after this huge run. And well, I I guess based on what we just talked about, you would be cautious adding here. So one of the ones I looked at was Edwards Life Sciences. The ticker is EW. They're up 52.8% over the last year. But their two-year run, 105%. They're trading at 42 times now. A, a company like that, it's the chart is magnificent right now. But what what do you say about getting into something like that at this point? No, you're shaking your head. You think it's crazy. You know, I I just I can buy large cap farmers at a 13p now. Right. Um, versus this thing. Right. Edwards is the heart. So I'm, I'm afraid I'm a little Tracy Uranic for for you guys, guys. Okay. I'm a, I'm a value You're a value. Guy. Okay. 
Well, I own, no, that's a good answer. Right. I mean, it is hard to get into some of these, and I do get asked, like, or what do you do about Apple now? Uh, by the way, Edwards can run from a 42P to a 50P. I get it. Yeah. But at maybe. the end of the day, just being incredibly stupid about numbers, if the S&P is trading at 18 and I bought a 42 times earning stock, I'm way out of the park on okay. my valuations, and I'm playing fully on momentum. Yeah. And so if you're doing it, throw this thing out the door in six months. Okay. Um, I own Sony in the value investor portfolio, and we've owned it for a while now, well over a year, I think now. And it went nowhere for forever. Nobody cared about Sony, even though it has, you know, great products still. It, it's Management had this five-year plan. It's got like the Japanese efficiency thing going. It's working what their turnaround plan is. They have PlayStation 5 coming out next year. Their movies are even hitting pretty well here. They have that Jumanji sequel out right now. Um, so the stock has started to run it, and it's up pretty big this year, but it's trading only at 16 times still. So I feel like they're on some of the large caps that have you know, been ignored. There is still some opportunities there. Yeah, well, you know, this gets to a point on international stocks you're bringing up that I, I kind of think is worth discussing. For example, I, I own Alibaba this year, which yeah. did great. And I own China Mobile, which was my same, same idea. You know, play the yeah. consumer in China, mobile, internet, whatever. And I didn't do great. Okay. So why Sony and not all Japanese stocks? And why Alibaba and not China Mobile? So I think what the answer is, is Alibaba is listed in New York and it trades in a lot of ETFs and portfolios and it has more exposure. So okay. the, the real hardcore domestic in the non-US sense stocks, you know, the, the real hardcore Japanese firm in Nagoya, Japan, you and I don't know about that's right. every bit as good as Sony, yeah. doesn't work. Right. Sony works. Because Sony's listed and it's known and it's yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. So I think one of the plays there is out there in the non-U.S. space is to find the the real liquid, well-listed, large cap names that are quasi quasi U.S. like Sony. Sony okay. has Sony Pictures. Sony right. has listings at the New York Stock Exchange. Sony yeah. is almost not Japanese, right? right? Versus a Nagoya chip maker that I see when I take the bullet train through and I go, that's a cool name, I've never heard of it. And I yeah. probably shouldn't buy that company because it's a Japanese stock. Japanese stocks aren't going anywhere. The economy's not doing anything yeah. and it won't work. Now, I bet that company's great, but it right. doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's a China mobile story. It, there was nothing wrong with my call other than it didn't work. Right. <laughs> and that's, right. That's, right. That's, that's, that means I was wrong, guys. That means <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but when I, my point is to, to analyze stuff and looking for things, you have to decide you understand more than the standard thing. It's like listing, liquidity, how people buy it. Yeah. You know, I mean, mutual funds, investors, portfolio managers out there, why they would pick it up. Right. A lot of the times these people aren't that actually brilliant, man. I mean, that's the other thing to learn about. Don't get too smart about anything. Yeah. Okay, so moving on to another area, what about the big banks? A lot of them have started to make a move, but have somewhat been ignored because when the Fed was cutting and or now is cutting and had, you know, the 
interest rates have fallen. That's not good news for bank earnings, but they've gotten pretty cheap. I took a look at one of the big regional banks, State Street Financial, which has a big investment management arm and financial services, and they're trading at 13 times eight right now with a 2.6% dividend yield. What do you think about any of these bigger banks here? Well, the stocks will be liquefied by the Fed's QE, so they'll go up. Okay. All stocks are going up, and yeah. bank stocks are stocks, so they'll go up. Yeah. So, first of all, as long as the Fed's doing QE, bank stocks will go up. Okay. Now, the, the harder question is bank stocks going up more than other stocks, right? Right. Personally, I, you know, when I look at value stocks like versus the, it's really, really what we're talking about is a value versus growth trade off. And here's my view. I think growth stocks will be sold in front of any weakness, not even a recession. Okay. I don't necessarily think people will move into value stocks as a result of that. Okay. So I don't know if there's any extra bid on this stuff. I think there will be once a downturn's in place. Okay. So again, value stocks like banks and rotating into them, um, I would wait for the bottom. Okay. And that might be whenever it is. Right. But I don't know that I would be under overweight. I'd be just, I'm just neutral on them and I'd leave them in place because um, they'll run with QE and I can be owning them and just let the stock run. It will have nothing to do with State Street being better at what it's doing and have nothing to do about interest rates, loan losses, unemployment, because QE is putting money to work, money goes into stocks, and it's totally disintermediated from the U.S. economy. And by the way, as we already talked about, that's not good long term. Right. Okay. What do you think about energy? That's another value play here, but I took a look at Exxon. The PEs aren't all that great on the big oils because the earnings have come way down, so the PEs are higher. Exxon's trading at 27 times, but it does have a 5% yield now. And Chevron trading at 18 times with the 4% yield. You know... There's just too much um, reason not to own them. Okay. You got the climate change issue. You got you um, electric vehicles doing well. Um, you got OPEC cornering the market or not, Yeah. Um, which is a risk. And obviously next year they're doing more cu cuts, so there could be a run on these stocks. But that's a bet on OPEC. Right. And so then you're betting on a group of people – that you have no idea what their next decision is. Right. And no ability to sniff it out either. So okay. the so basic no problem with, with, well, the problem is, again, from a relative value point of view, the momentum's terrible on these stocks. It is. And so why should it get better now? Right. And, okay. and you say, okay, it might. But I, you're, as a retail person, again, be the dumber guy, not the smarter guy. Wait till everyone's smart for two years on energy and then get in. Okay. Just see the turn. It's already moving up. Understand it. Get in late. Let okay. it happen. Is there an industry that you are really gung-ho about going into 2020? I I think some parts of the healthcare businesses oh, okay. are probably going to run fine because I think there's a lot of Elizabeth Warren uh, premiums in them. Okay. And you the, mean the insurers or are you talking about yeah, the drugs? Yeah, the Medicare. Until, when that gets put to bed as the... As the nominations come to play us, the stocks will rally. Okay. Okay. It doesn't matter if the, pres the existing president gets elected or not. It's the matter is that whoever he runs against is not as radical 
in their approach to healthcare and in the stocks. There's a huge premium baked in right now that that's going to happen and it will just dissipate as time goes on. So you would wait on some of these names until the summer? Well, that'll be too late. You can just play oh. in front of it and let that, you know, just the catalyst you're looking for is a Biden nomination. Okay. Right. You get a Biden nomination, you'll get the HMO stocks to rally 20%. Okay. So you just make, I mean, if you want a catalyst, you say, okay, look, a Biden nomination could take a, a fair number of health stocks that are baking in 20 to 1 to 25% downsides, right? I mean, Centene. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anthem. I mean, uh, Humana. Then you have like, you know, your Alexions. Um, trading at 12 times are in large cap pharma. Been down for four years. Um, no, I don't understand that story. No, I'm not a large cap pharma expert. But right. at the end of the day, earn a dividend, be wrong, and make money through this thing. Okay. Cash-like income play. There's a spot in a lot of portfolios out for a stock like that. Okay. Um, any any other juicy areas we should be eyeing? What about just industrials in general? You know, on the manufacturing side, or they're not that cheap, surprisingly. Even though that that area is kind of struggling, but they're not cheap. Yeah. Uh, Sounds like no, you don't like it. Well, I'm just this whole market gives me heartburn right now okay because it's it's just too easy and that's just not the day of reckoning when we are actually having to pick stocks is coming and um so in fact before it happens any growth stock is going to be better any high beta stock is going to be better because the market's always going up then you might as well go high beta and high growth and play does that include fang here yeah okay yeah, until it doesn't. Okay. So and the, this the is trade the is on. The Fang trade is still there. Yeah, I mean, this is gets to Apple twenty three times earnings. So yeah, why not? That, why if not? Google's at twenty three or twenty seven. Why shouldn't Apple be at twenty three? Yeah, and so this gets back to valuation. So yes, one day it'll get knocked thirty percent down. All these trades. That's why I would build cash right now. I just feel like just wait for the musical chairs to stop here. Okay. And have some cash on hand. So. In my opinion, all these things, just let them run and be wrong and okay. be stupid and have some cash and just let your neighbor be the smartest guy on earth and just just deal with it. Okay. That's easier said than done for most investors. Yeah, that's why I'm do, saying it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you heard it here. Okay. Um, so no recession in 2020. At least nothing's on the horizon. That's it's, the call right now. Yeah, populism. Is tough. It's tough to believe a populist president will, will want or ex or tolerate an election happening or, or a recession happening in front of his election. Right. It doesn't mean it can't happen. And there is a strong case that he will start a trade war with Europe and cause it to get worse. And his deals with China will unravel and get worse. And that he will not be able to run this process through the Fed to disintermediate the effects of that into the financial markets. That is a very strong bear case, but it's unlikely to happen until after his election versus before it. Okay. So that the All stake right. in the ground in November keeps me bullish on this year. Okay. In a very non-fundamental way. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it's just because. Yeah. He wants us to think great, great things. Stocks. There are political considerations in 2020 for sure. Yeah. 
So, all right. Well, let's recap some of the stock tickers we did talk about. There was Edwards Life Sciences, which is EW. Sony is SNE. We talked about Alibaba, BABA. What's China Mobile's ticker? CHL. CHL is China Mobile. Um, State Street is STT. Exxon, XOM. Chevron, CVX. What was Alexion's? ALXN. ALXN for that one. Some of the um, HMOs. Humana is just HUM, isn't it? Right. And Centene. CNC. CNC. United Health Group is in that group. UNH. And CVS now owns Aetna. So you can get CVS and own Aetna through them. Right. I think I think that's everyone we've covered. Uh, but this is always an interesting episode, John, because we do like looking forward to see what might be on the horizon. And this is an interesting, intriguing end of the year and into 2020 situation here. So we'll definitely be having you on once we're in 2020, once again, to look and see how everything is starting to play out. And um, see if, you know, anything changes in this scenario, but it's going to be an interesting year. Yeah. Okay. It will be. be. So for everybody who um, is new and doesn't get the uh, Market Edge podcast on a weekly basis, be sure to subscribe. You can get us on SoundCloud. We're also on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and we're on Deezer now, which you can get in the UK and and in the US and several other countries, but make sure you get us somewhere, and I'll see you again in 2020 with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's Investment Research as a whole.